Focus on Life. Hello and welcome to this week's Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas and like a lot of people, I've got COVID. So apologies for being a bit nasally today. And don't worry, you can't get it by listening to the radio. Just this last week, we learned that Gerald Coates, historically a key influencer in British church life, he'd sadly passed away. I want to join the multiple chorus of voices that are celebrating the incredible legacy of Gerald. He was a brilliantly incisive thinker, a one-of-a-kind consummate communicator, a magnetic gatherer. He was a Christian leader who connected, nudged, prayed, believed, prodded, invited, smiled. He laughed out loud. And today, I feel just a little more alone for the loss of his voice because he impacted me personally with two very powerful prophetic words that literally changed my life. And so tonight, I want to talk about a number of things, about us being able to be us, the people that God made us to be, and then the need for all of us to keep relying on the Holy Spirit's help. And as part of that, I want to pay tribute to my friend, Gerald Coates. It happened many years ago now. I'd been using humor quite a lot in my preaching ministry which some people appreciated and, as you might expect, others criticized. When you're a Bible teacher, you can face criticism on quite a lot of fronts. If you use humor particularly and people are entertained by the style of the presentation, you run the risk of being criticized for being lightweight or frivolous. Strangely, there are some Christians out there who get upset with preachers who make things easy to understand, taking the complex and making it accessible. Surely they aren't robust enough in their theology, some grumble. I've heard some people come away from a sermon murmuring, wow, that was really deep, when what they actually mean is, I didn't understand a word of that, how about you? Anyway, I was feeling a bit insecure about me being me and my encouraging laughter during the learning experience that should be the sermon. So I'd complain to God about this and I asked the Lord, am I called to be a fool for Christ? And I felt the sense of God saying, well, yes, that's part of your calling. I didn't tell anyone about that. Attending a conference led by Gerald Coates, I was surprised when he told me that God had given him a prophetic word for me, which he wanted to share publicly during the evening session when around a thousand fellow leaders were gathering. That night, he called me up onto the platform. And then, while the worship musicians quietly played, he suddenly produced a jester's hat, multicolored, complete with bells. And he stuck it on my head. Now, in these moments, you're supposed to look rather spiritual. But a thousand leaders laughed at the sight of me. And I just stood there quietly angry and really embarrassed. And then Gerald prophesied with these words. You, Jeff, have been willing to be a fool for Christ. And now God is opening wider doors for your ministry. The prophecy went on in startling detail. But I remember so well the content. God has called you to be a fool. And later, I learned that in medieval times, the court jester, also known as the fool, was actually a vital figure. In a sense, that fool was no fool. 
He was irreverent and an amusing critic to the king, and he acted like an immensely powerful rogue who could nudge the mightiest power in the land to do the right thing through wit and repartee. He could speak bluntly, could tell the king exactly what the common people, so-called, were thinking, and was confidant to some of the king's personal life that nobody shared. And actually, some jesters were used as ambassadors and diplomats, negotiating intricate and tricky arrangements with their humour. And the best jesters were handsomely rewarded, and in some cases showered with honours and titles and land. The jester taught with laughter and sought to bring healing to painful situations. In other words, I discovered that in the midst of my desire to use laughter, that there was, yes, dignity in my calling. That night, I discovered that I didn't need to be like anyone else in order to fit in. God made me me, and I was free to express my personality as I am, not as others want me to be. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm stuck in sameness. On the contrary, all of us as Christians are called to a life of daily, ongoing transformation. God wants to change us to reflect more and more of the glory of Jesus. No, this is not a surrender to sameness, an arms-folded, stubborn, well, I'm just me, so live with it kind of attitude. But the Bible does say that each one of us, every one of us, are God's workmanship. That word workmanship is paomi in the Greek from which we get the word poem or poetry. You see, each one of us is unique, called to be who God made us to be. And Mr. Gerald Coates helped me to see that, and I live still in the good of that today. Tonight, we're reflecting on us being us, and I'm also celebrating the legacy of Gerald Coates, who sadly passed away just this last week formerly the leader of the Pioneer Network and broadly a significant voice in the British church for many years. For me, it happened at another one of those conferences. Gerald was preaching and once again he called me to the platform, again saying that God had given him a word of prophecy for me. Last time, as I shared, it was a jester's hat and a call to be myself. So what now, I wondered? As I stood on the platform, Gerald produced a bishop's staff, and no run-of-the-mill bishop's staff was it. It used to belong to Bishop Trevor Huddleston, who did so much to fight against the curse of apartheid in South Africa. Gerald handed it to me, and then began to tell me that I should now carry that staff wherever I went in ministry. It was not to be a sign of authority, but a reminder to me of my need to depend upon the Lord constantly. Really, it was not for others to see. It was to remind me. And so I did. For a couple of years, wherever I traveled to preach around the world, I carried that staff. And I want to just be honest, it looked weird. Some people thought I was crazy as I wandered around at Spring Harvest carrying this bishop's staff over my shoulder, and I'm sure others probably viewed it as pretentious, like I was setting myself up as some kind of bishop. But it did serve as a physical reminder to me that I needed to constantly rely upon the Lord, not, not run ahead of him, not lag behind him, not just dream up my own ideas for him, 
but to live in the light of the words of Jesus, who said that without him, we can do nothing. How often I've drifted away from that place of dependency. And frankly, that's where my life has at times gone wrong. And I've ended up exhausted, frustrated, angry, because I've tried to serve him with my own independent efforts, rather than walking in what he wants me to do. Jesus modeled a life, not of making waves, but surfing the waves, sometimes literally, that the Father called him to. Perhaps some of us tonight are just worn out with our busyness for God. Like Martha in that famous Bible story about Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus listening, with that sister Martha bustling around in the kitchen, angrily banging pots around, wanting Jesus to tell her sister off. We're weary, resentful even, and perhaps it's time to stop and reevaluate. As for that bishop's staff, it finally got lost by an airline while I was traveling somewhere to preach. I mean, to be honest, I was quietly relieved to see the back of it. But the lesson it taught me was invaluable. Let's depend daily, constantly, for everything. Let's depend on the help of the Lord. So tonight we've been talking firstly about the need for us to be ourselves. I remember some years ago going to preach at a church somewhere and before the service began a little group gathered around me eager to pray for me because I was the guest speaker for that night. Now I'm usually grateful for those pre-service prayer gatherings because I do need all the help I can get. But the rather well-meaning prayer that followed troubled me somewhat. Someone said, we don't want to see Jeff tonight, Lord. We just want to see you, Jesus. Hide Jeff behind the cross. Amen, they concluded. Now, in my early days as a Christian, I was anxious that the call for me to be holy meant that I would lose some of my personality. But again, God had made it clear to me. He wanted me to be fully me, and the same is true for you. We know that no two sets of fingerprints are alike, not even in identical twins, because, and it's not just a cliche, a slogan, it's a truth, we are all utterly unique. Others can be examples to us, but we're not called to be them. Any church that seeks to mould people into bland uniformity, let me be blunt, that's called a cult. You see, it's sin, not holiness, that fragments us and draws us away from authentically being us. When people make terrible moral choices, perhaps sacrificing their marriages in the process, those around them often remark, he or she, they're like a different person. That's because, in a sense, they are. In that so well-known parable that we call the prodigal son, he came to himself, we read, when he decided to return home. The Hebrew word for repentance is teshuva, which means homecoming. When we choose the father's house over the pig pen, we come home. We come home to ourselves as we were always meant to be. We come home to our loving father who extends his open arms of welcome. Perhaps it was not what was intended by that pre-meeting prayer gathering, but it seemed to me that that night my personality should be eradicated from the communication completely. 
I turn again to Scripture and look at someone like John the Baptist, who pointed to Jesus and insisted he must become more important, I must become less important. But John never lost his own style, which included a love for camel hair clothing and a menu of snacking on locusts and wild honey. John didn't lose his uniqueness, but wanted everything about him to point to Jesus. The Apostle Paul encouraged the Ephesian church with the news that they were God's workmanship. And the word there is paoma, from which we get our word poem. You can read about it in Ephesians 3 verse 20. While Paul was addressing them corporately as the church, surely this is true of all of us individually. Again, God has made us to be us. In a day when people often talk about being the best version of themselves, which is often a prelude to selfish choices, we affirm that the very best for us is to be who God made us to be. C.S. Lewis puts it like this, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become because he made us, he invented us. And then again, let's remind ourselves of the need not just to rely upon ourselves, but to keep asking the Holy Spirit for help in serving, in ministry, in all of life, help Holy Spirit. Sometimes that help comes through good friends. For me, the late Gerald Coates was one of those friends. So I'm grateful to Gerald. He did well all the way to the finish line. He didn't see all that he dreamed of and wanted to see. But then who does? I'm so grateful for him. As we always say in Christ, it's not farewell, it's good night. See you in the morning, resurrection morning. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining. Lucas on life.